He killed the music. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was trying to add some special effects on top. I didn't think it would cut it out. Wow, what a buzzkill. <laughs> Damn, Chad. What's up, man? <laughs> Nothing much. What's up? I have some exciting news. I just made my my first uh, DoorChain GitLab commit uh, late last night, and I'm quite excited. What? Yeah, not 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 to the not to the core protocol. I made some edits to the website, and I uh, I pushed them out. Pluto, the shout out, Pluto. Thank you so much. Got my got my first commits in the in the book. Wow, so you're basically a developer at this point. Yep, Pluto said I'm a web developer now. So there you go. Update the bio. Update the LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, trying to update the Thorchain.com uh, website and just like get that going because we've I've been kind of falling behind on uh, the ball on that one. Hey, Chad. What's up, guys? Mr. Chad, how's it going? Not too bad, I guess. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Eating some breakfast, <laughs> lunch. Yeah, so I was like snacking on some like some chips here or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. By the way, yeah, I see cans in the audience. I got a bone to pick with you, can. <laughs> You guys had a a, a <laughs> DeFi twenty twenty three, you as in Delphi, and you didn't even talk about Thorchain. The, the the question came up of like of like oh in terms of you know cross chain things that are born to be cross chain blah blah blah. And the only thing I talked about is Cosmos, which is to me nutty. Let's get him up here. Yeah, he's requesting. I thought he mentioned it briefly at least, if if I remember. I was kind of tuning in and out. There was like one line in the report, I think, about Thorchain. I don't know if they mentioned it on the space, though. I, I, I didn't say the whole time. Hey, Ken. Hello, hello, everyone. So I'm walking outside. Um, yeah, so it's definitely not a one-liner. Uh, we, we have a paragraph for Thorchain in the year-end report. Um, in yesterday's Twitter spaces, I really wanted to talk more. It, it's just that I, I have to respect like my colleagues' time. Because there was a, um, a host um, controlling like the, the Twitter spaces and making sure everyone gets like their their time to talk and whatnot and uh, yeah like that's that's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I actually do have a question that's kind of related. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I think that I, maybe Ryan Selkis put out something about like, you know, the, the holdings of like, you know, the Delphi team members basically saying like, you know, this many Delphi team members hold all these coins. And it's basically like, you know, uh, Thorchain had like some some number, maybe like eight or so last year. And then this year it looks like uh, like uh, no one on the team has any has any rune. And obviously, like, that's not a problem or anything. So, But I was just wondering if, there, if you had any like insight into that. Um, I I don't know what kind of uh, um, thing thing you're referring to. Um, first of all, sorry. I, um, I think that was actually on the the Masari report. Uh, oh, Cal. oh, that's Masari. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I definitely I definitely know um, um, some members of the team and, and quite substantial uh, number that they are Torchain fans. Obviously, I don't know 
if they hold, how much they hold or whatever. I never asked those kind of things uh, unless we have to like give disclosures or whatnot. But uh, I definitely know there, there are quite some number of uh, Torture fans. Um, yeah, but like, um, yeah, that definitely didn't mean to not mention Torture or whatever. Uh, it's just that people, uh, like everybody had their time to talk. And, and so I didn't want to uh, get spotlight or anything like that. Do you have any theories on why Cosmos people seem to kind of act like it doesn't exist sometimes? Like, yeah, because that one, I, I'm not sure who it was that was speaking, but yeah, there was one question like specifically about cross-chain and then the answer was just all about Cosmos. And it just, it does just come off as odd. And and I know you're a big fan of ThorChain, but it's just so, it, it's endlessly strange to me, like why uh, some people just like don't look at it. I don't, I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, for, for Cosmos, definitely the IBC thing. Uh, although um, I completely understand why Torchain uh, doesn't at this point integrate with IBC, and I, and I um, agree it's the right choice. Um, but for Cosmos, I think that's that's pretty much it. It's never it, Torchain is never mentioned as a, as a Cosmos chain. Not at least like not in my. Uh, in my friends and uh, you know that, that kind of environment but um generally broadly the biggest criticism i get usually when i uh, start talking about it is that a lot of people uh, well first of all it's like extremely hard to explain uh torchain like it's just really hard before it was cross chain swaps now it's more than more than that so like if you start to get into these like mechanics first it's very hard to explain it um, it's very hard for, uh, for, like, for example, the other day, <clears throat> Eric Wall was <clears throat> interested to take a look. And I'm pretty sure he got overwhelmed with all of the doc- documentation and, 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 like, information out there. He quickly realized that it's, like, a, like th- this is my assumption. He qu- quickly realized that it's going to be a rabbit hole for him to go through all of it. And so I feel like he gave up. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's studying now. Uh, that's just me, like, my estimation. But... Um, that's one thing. The other thing is the biggest criticism I get is usually, uh, that a lot of the economics hinges on rune price, um, uh, rune price compared to these non-rune assets and that's like, uh, and whether or not that's sustainable or not. So those are the two biggest things I get usually. Yeah, I guess the I mean the IBC thing is like th- that's kind of where the differentiator is in uh, like where people would consider something like a, a Cosmos asset, and we see that all the time. Like that happened at the, the I don't know if anyone anyone else saw this. But there was a, a Dex like uh, order book roundtable yesterday, and they they were also talking about some of the similar uh, similar considerations, and that, that always just kind of comes up. So N- nothing new on that front. <laughs> I, I don't think like. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's really much to be like gained from from there. Like just going in circles yeah. about a uh, Thorchain being a uh, a Cosmos project or not. Like it is a Cosmos project, but you know it's not maybe the, what people would consider like a uh, like a core like Cosmos project, like close to the, the center of the stack there. Yeah, from my perspective, I understand the Cosmos community wanting Rune to be IBC because then yeah, it feels like it's part of the, that community. But when talking about cross chain. 
it feels like even without that, Thorchain is so important because the whole point of Thorchain is that it's connecting you to other ecosystems and things that are not and never will be IBC compatible, like native Bitcoin, you know, all these other chains. So, you know, to be to 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 be that route out of IBC into everything else feels so valuable. And like that is cross chain. So, you know, I, I'm always hopeful that 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 the Cosmos community will get more excited about this. Actually, this past week, I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but um, Osmosis, I believe, uh, I've seen doing like, I don't know whether they just announced this or something, but like, you know, basically like dex aggregation type thing where I saw that they were maybe doing some kind of like, uh, you know, multi-dex, basically like DoorChain's dex aggregation, but with uh, like Kujira or like one of the other Cosmos dexes. And I'm not super familiar with this stuff, but I'm wondering if anyone else has any like more more insight onto that because uh obviously like getting osmosis into the dex aggregation stack on thorchain would be super super great especially if it could just go through uh like basically an osmosis dex aggregator to to go through the atom pool with uh with, with ibc or, or something like that uh i mean that, that seems like a like a no-brainer so I'm, I'm wondering if anyone else actually knows more about like dex aggregation in the the cosmos uh you know, more of the, the core dexes to, to their community. Yeah, usually when I get into it with people on Twitter, I'm, I I try to tease out, like, what is it they actually want? Like, is it is it ruined to be IBC or is it just the ability to, to swap in one transaction? Because, yeah, to me, the what you just described is the is the really exciting part. You know, to be able to swap from any IBC asset to anything that's supported in Thorchain, hundred percent. I mean, everyone wants that. That's huge. Um, you know, I know, I know ThorSwap would be delighted to be able to aggregate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the IBC rune part, it's like, okay, for what? Like, what is the? How does that benefit Thorchain? You know, what is like? What do we get out of that? Um, but yeah, we. Can, I don't know if we want to keep going on this, but. <laughs> Yeah, they kind of beat death death a lot already. Uh, I mean, imp- importing assets would be interesting, but then it's but then it's like is dex aggregator just just better? And like for the most part, the the answer is like the price is always going to be better with a dex aggregator unless we have a deep pool to start off with, which is just not not the case because you can get uh, a cosmos, you know, an atom yield uh, just just staking on the on the protocol and get those airdrops that people like and and whatever. So it's like there, there's just not that liquidity to to really uh it's probably get the, the smaller tokens like there's only even a, a couple million in, in atom on, on thorchain i do think ibc enabling for um you know synths or composite assets things like that in the future it, like is more interesting to me than probably rune itself um though there are some crazy ideas that are kind of interesting like the the thorchain of thorchains the 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 network of thorchains idea might might tie an IBC in some way, but you know, to imagine like uh, like a separate protocol somewhere in Cosmos that's building things on top of synthetics or even like composite buckets of synthetics, uh, like rebalancing tools, um, you know, like even even perps or stuff like that. If that was built outside of Thorchain, but using synthetics that are still redeemable back on Thorchain, I think that area is pretty interesting. Just a better gnomic PTC. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I, I yeah, I'm not deeply familiar with it, but I guess yeah, they 
I guess you probably could build some of that with that already. Yes. Since would be a little bit difficult just because <clears throat> we can only have so much of them, right? Uh, there are synth caps for a reason. And to be honest, the, the Sabres feature will probably just fill the synths, you know, over, over a long period of time, will just do its job and, and fill the, fill the synth cap. So we don't really need another, another demand center for synths, to be honest with you. I think what we already have is more than sufficient. But we, Oh, yeah, yeah. But when I was saying synths there, I even mean like potentially like yield bearing, like make, uh, like make the Sabres synth exportable, hypothetically, oh, yeah. of course. But I know that's been something we've, we've sort of talked about. Yeah, you could you could possibly do it with derived assets, but that's you know another another conversation because derived assets will will come as part of lending, but they'll be turned off in terms of available to the to the community. It's only only be used by like the lending protocol itself can touch it. And if people want to make it more readily available for other people to use it outside the lending protocol and use it for other purposes like IBC or and have a derived Bitcoin or a derived Ether or whatever, that you can do. Or Tor, actually, another stable coin. Yeah, I I did want to ask you some questions about the lending design today, Chad. So I don't know uh, whether you want to get into that. There's nothing else I can really think of that is like top of mind for things to discuss. So I, I kind of wanted to get a little bit more info on, especially the uh, the collateralization ratio of of the lending protocol and basically like how the collateralization ratio adjusts, like, like what are the circumstances where it goes up and down? Like what is like, what, like what is this, the equilibrium state for the, the CR and then like what causes it to, to move up and down and uh, like what, what range do you like it? Like, have you, uh, have you thought about like what ranges that we're like most likely to see or just like, <clears throat> Yeah, that, that, I think that's the part of Thorify that is like hardest for me to, to grasp. No, right no, now. fair, fair question. Um, so, what is? Let's just kind of recap what CR is first. People who don't know, uh, CR is just short for collateralization ratio. Another way of saying the same thing in, in general DeFi speak is an LTV or loan to value ratio. Um, they're basically the same, but just the numbers look different. But they're they're describing the same concept. And so the question around CR is like. If I if I put in you know ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin and the CR is at two hundred percent or AKA LTV would be fifty percent those two things are the same thing then I would get you know five thousand dollars as my as my debt so that's what a collateralization ratio is just basically calculating for every dollar you put in how many cents do you get out in terms of your debt right um, and so the way that we calculate this number is so generally in most DeFi platforms you you pick what you want right you can say oh I want two hundred percent or, or a 50% LTV or a 25% LTV or whatever it is, 300% below CR. Um, but for us, we don't, we don't want a lot of people to pick it. It's just the, the market itself that dictates what the CR is going to be. So how that's calculated though, is um, say you had, um, say there's, um, let's just say there's 5,000 Bitcoin in the Bitcoin pool, Right. And right now, there's no loans taken taken out of the Bitcoin pool. And somebody's coming along, which is uh, Chad Thoreau's coming along, or familiar coming on, and they have you know two BDC as their collateral, right? So we calculate from the low end of having no loans, and the, the starting point is like let's just call it 200% collateralization ratio. And then the when you like max out the the size of the pool, 
that would be, you know, the max CR, which we'll, let's call that a thousand, for example. And so when we calculate how much uh, this person's going to owe, we say, okay, there's two, including the two BDC that, that Kyle is now throwing into a loan, along with old uh, collateral that's being uh, stored by the, by the network versus the depth of the pool. Right. And so in this case, it would be, you know, 201% or something like this. But if there was like already, you know, 4,900, um, you know, uh, loan uh, collateral put in, BDC collateral put into this pool and the max CR is 1,000, then the next person open a loan will effectively get close to 1,000, right, as their CR. So basically as the, as people enter and open, um, and open loans, the CR increases. And then when people close the loans, the CR decreases. That's one aspect of how it moves. The second aspect of how it moves is just the price of asset to um, to room, right? So if there's 5,000 BDC in the pool right now, and then the BDC pool, the BDC price goes up relative to Rune, well, then an arbitrage bot will, will increase the quantity of Rune in the network, but then decrease the quantity of BDC, right? Because the BDC is value gone up. There's too much BDC in the, in, in the pool. Arbitrage bot takes out some BDC. And so now the pool, the, the pool depth has decreased from 5,000 down to 4,990 or something like this, whatever that is. And so now because that depth had changed, that change that it will, that will cause the, uh, the CR to increase in that scenario. So when asset outperforms room, the CR naturally increases. And then when room outperforms the asset, the CR naturally decreases, right? And so if room's performing well over asset, we, we want more loans to be taken out because the loans that are currently taken out are, are, are more and more are looking at a healthier and healthier state. And so we can say, okay, we can take out more loans now because we're, we're, we have less risk. And so we can kind of like just naturally grow with the uh, supply of, or the value of root increasing with, with the feature. Um, that's in a nutshell. Now each individual pool is going to have their own CR, right? And so, some pools are probably going to have naturally a higher CR, the ones that are more in demand, for example, Bitcoin will probably be this. And then maybe pools where there's not much interest, uh, AVAX would probably be a good example of this uh, because there's already lots of ways you can you, you can like get a loan on your AVAX within the AVAX community. So there's like more competition in that case. So maybe the CR would be naturally kind of find like a floating middle, which would be lower than what we'd see on Bitcoin. But each individual pool will have their own CR. And that CR will increase and decrease based upon the demand. Eventually, you'll get to this kind of floating point between supply and demand of like, this is what the, the industry feels is, a, is a, a good CR for Bitcoin. And this is what a good CR is for Ether, a good CR for Litecoin, so forth and so on. So we'll naturally see these things just move. Got it. So there, there can't ever be a greater liability for the loans and the total depth of the pool. And, that, and that's the point where the maximum collateralization ratio uh, is reached? Uh, sort of. So there's a, a Mamir that tells the network relative to the depth of the, of the pool, how much are we going to calculate this as part of like, you know, the amount we're calculating the CR. And so right now the default is like, we can put it at, you know, 10,000 basis points would, would be hundred percent of the pool and 5,000 basis points would be half the pool and 20,000 basis points would be two X the pool. So this is just another lever that we can we can start small and say we're not going to do the whole pool. We're just going to do twenty percent of the pool or something like this, just to start small, right? And then we can increase that lever to a hundred percent of the pool, and then eventually to two hundred percent, eventually to you know a hundred 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 percent of the whatever. Like you could you could go as high as you arbitrarily wanted to, 
but that that's just going to be another thing that the community and the and the nodes are going to vote on to like scale it up over time. That makes sense. And the other question, the other part of that is, does the collateralization ratio increase linearly, or is there kind of is some kind of curve involved there, or is it just as the uh, as it fills up more of the capacity, does it just go up linearly? Uh, it's it's mostly linearly, but it also keep, keep in mind that it includes the collab that you're currently adding, not just the collab that's already existing. But the, so if it's at, if the CR right now is at 300%, um, and then, you know, I'm going to make a, a small loan of like one BDC, they would probably, I'd probably get maybe 301%, something like it wouldn't cause like a huge shift. Right. But if I put in like a thousand BDC as my collateral, well then it's going to be, it's going to jump from, I'm actually not going to get three. I'm going to get 300. I'm going to get, you know, maybe closer to 400 or 500 or some much larger number. So like, it's going to say, like, it, it's sensitive to how, how large your loan is, right? And if you want, you can like break it up into smaller loans and like, open up many loans and just kind of every day, like, do like a 10th of a BDC or something like this. Uh, you could do that and, and it may be more economical to do so, but um, uh, same thing as swapping, right? It's more economical to, to break your swaps into multiple trades rather than a single trade. So we'll see this, that kind of same concept be played out as well. Matt, thanks for clearing that up. I yeah, the collateralization ratio part because that, that seems like the the thing that makes the most difference in terms of like usability for the feature and just safety for the feature. So like, uh, you know, like I feel like that's the thing that is just not concrete right now, and we just don't know how that exactly like you know like what what values we want to to put in there to actually like make this you know not not like where it's unusable like collateralization ratio but also like not not risky as in like, right. uh too low of a collateralization that, ratio that's why you have just the a free market determine that place right effectively so do you have thoughts yet on where those constants might might start or what, or might end up in the future like you know so if it's if it's capped at let's say 20% of the total pool depth can be outstanding loans right uh then like there's a max CR at 20%, correct? So that if that's, you know, 900% or a million percent or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I, I think we're trying to get our head around, you know, like, so then what does it look like at 10%? What does it look like at 15%? But 10% of what? Of, of, of the pool. So if 20% is the, is the oh, yeah. cap at the yeah. time, so right? And that would be like, so this 5,000 BDC, 20% of that, and then that would be your kind of like your denominator, so to speak. And then your numerator is the total amount of collateral that has been collected, including the one that you're contributing. And then that would be that would determine between those two points, right? Got it. Yeah. I mean, in the end, we can, we can set how we want. Like the the max CR should should be some ridiculously high number that a number that's so high that nobody in their right mind would ever take it. Like that's like you want it to be some, something. Uh, unattainable in a sense, right? So, so that we find some sort of like place that the, that the community, that the industry is willing to take. Say, oh, you know, for given the protocol risk of Thorchain and the attributes of this loan um, and, you know, whatever, 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 uh, I'm willing to take, you know, a 500% collateralization ratio or I'm willing to take a 600%. I'm willing to take an 800%. It just depends on the community, like the industry to determine what that is. And the higher that CR is, the better it is for the network, right? 
Yeah. All right. More questions. So if we're at the, the like the limit, let's say it's at 20%, we're at that 20%. We, we, we have a 900%, 900% collateralization ratio. Mm-hmm. We think that's, that's enough. Uh, can someone take out a loan at that 900% or is it just shut off? Can you not take out more loans until yeah, like uh, the, the, it's raised? You can always take out, anybody can always take out a loan. There's actually nothing stopping anybody from ever taking out an additional loan or adding or creating a loan or whatever. What's doing it is that every time somebody does that, the CR gets higher and higher and higher and higher. And eventually it's going to get to some point where just nobody's going to want to do it, right? Because, you know, if I was going to offer you, you know, you know, you give me $10,000 and I'll give you a $10 loan, like, you know, that's, that's quite silly and nobody would ever take that deal because that's just kind of ridiculous and pointless. And so, like, there's the, that, like, that line that's going to be created by the industry of figuring out where that line is of, like, that right the point the point where it's too much or the point where it's not too little like it's just kind of perfect place and this is the free market will push it to that line wherever that line is yes but it, but it's also like we uh we as the network like and everyone that like contributes to it needs to determine like what parameter because we need to actually set the parameters that control that and 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 constantly you know monitor that and and be confident that we made like the right decision so like uh, yeah i wonder if you thought anything about like the methodology of like how to arrive at what what we think is the right number it's the same thing of like um like the max cr is going to be a number that doesn't actually matter it's the same thing as like the the min bond is a number that doesn't really actually matter like yeah it's a hard limit that's placed on the on the minimum amount of, of, of room that you can bond, but like nobody's churning into the network with two hundred million room, right? Like you really have to have at least I think five or six hundred on the lower end, right? And so it's like it's a number that's set, but like will never be touched. And similar conceptually, it's not a little bit similar to what I was just saying, but the the minimum bond. Um, so I think the the max CR should be some. Crazy number like ten thousand percent, or maybe even twenty thousand percent, something ludicrous, or hundred thousand percent. Can be it can arbitrarily be as large as you want. That doesn't really actually matter. Um, and then you place like how much of the pool do you want to include in the calculation of the CR? And that could be twenty percent, one hundred percent, two hundred percent, some number. Um, my my recommendation is we we start small, maybe at like fifty percent of the pool. Um, something like this possibly. And we set the CR, the max CR to be really high, like, you know, 20,000%, something ludicrous. And then you set the min CR to be something, uh, this is debatable, whether we start small, like large, and then inch downward, like start high at like 800%, right? Or 900% or something like this, where maybe not everybody's going to want to love that deal. Maybe there's a few people that want that deal, whatever. And then, you, you know, wait a week and then you inch it down to, 100 points less right to 800 percent or 700 percent and then you just kind of inch it down to have kind of help us discover the the line the free market like starting a bid basically yeah for uh for the lines that'd be an interesting way to to start it. it's kind of like that it's kind of like like an auction if you want to call it call it that but or we do the opposite of that we we say we're going to do it 200 and um we do it at two hundred percent, which is which is a really great CR. That's that'd be immaculate. You should dive at that if you can get it. Uh, but because we're only like twenty percent of the depth, or something like this of the of the pool, it'll scale from two hundred percent to you know the max like very quickly. Uh, only like a, you know a handful of loans would be able to get out before it would be like you know not a handful, but 
you'd scale very fast from 200% to 20,000%, right? And so you can, you can cut that. There's a different ways you can do it. And I think they're all more or less the same to some degree. Like they're all accomplish the same task of discovering the, the, the max CR that the, that the industry is willing to take for a loan of these attributes. But I, I, it's, it, it could be debated of how we want to actually approach it. So can I clarify something that might be kind of basic, but when we're talking about loans as a percent of the total pool depth, is that the collateral of the loan compared to the pool depth and not the, the borrowed amount? Uh, that's relative to, to the collateral deposit. Right, right. Because the collateral is basically, the collateral is really what the liability, uh, that's the liability of the pool, not the not the outstanding loan amount. Right. Because so that's what the that's debt's what they owe us, right? Also, as a protocol. Uh, so that makes me wonder like how, so we're, I mean, 20% and then we're talking already about going like 50, 100 or even even greater than the pool. I mean, that starts to get really crazy again, especially like when we also factor in since and like, how do you think about that scaling up so high? Well, it, so the lending is not relational to the actual pool. We're just using the, the pool as a measurement tool to help us like um, do collateralization ratio discovery. Like the actual, how many loans are out relative to the pool has, actually has no real, doesn't matter from a safety or security perspective of the network itself. Like it doesn't matter if it's 20% of the pool or, or a thousand times the pool. Like it, it has no re- actual relationship to the LPs or the savers or anything like this. It's just, we're only using the pool as a, a natural mechanism for the community to inform the network of like what are really popular assets like Bitcoin because it's got a lot of room in this pool versus not so popular. Like maybe that's, you know, uh, Bitcoin cash or something. I don't know, whatever it might be. So it's just using that that kind of like knowledge of like these are bigger assets, these are small assets to help us kind of figure out how to scale these things in a safe way. Because if we don't want to take on too much risk, for example, like um, if if we uh, do a, a whole lot of, of lending um, with a low CR of like like Doge, for example, right? That's 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 detached from like the pool or whatever. Then you can get to a place where like you know things can get quite. Uh, um, uh, there could be a lot of loans out on a, on a low CR effectively, which is, that's not good. We don't want to do that. So we want to say like, oh, these are safer, more secure assets, which is like Bitcoin would be that. And then these other assets are smaller. So we don't want to be as exposed to those. And so I, I assume that, they, that what we're seeing for savers in terms of the, the, the monetary popularity of savers between the different assets, like almost three fourths of savers is Bitcoin, right? And then they're like the other one third is basically uh one one sorry one one fourth is basically ether and there's like a bunch of little tiny little like slivers of value so i don't expect those to be quite popular i expect kind of like bitcoin to be huge obviously it's gonna be very, very popular so uh it's just there to kind of help us kind of like discover using the pools just help us discover what the actual cr is going to be on a per pool basis Yeah, to go off uh, Chad Throw's point a, a little bit, like you, you can see his point where like, uh, so the, the purpose of the lending protocol is we want people to be comfy in their loans and to be taking out loans and not closing them. Like we, we want people to never close their loan. That, that, like that is the the end goal of the network for someone taking out a loan is to, to never 
uh, pay it back. So we want people to not be worried, like worrying about their about the uh, about the collateral that they put in and whether they'll be able to retrieve it back. Yeah. But that, that seems like the the major um, the major thing about that would that would cause people to worry is is knowing that there is uh, more debt like the, the the system is is more in debt than there is actual liquidity on the network and obviously like we know that arbitragers will put in native asset will, will bring in native assets when when prices are out of line but uh that, like i mean the, the the question that that we can't answer really is like does that cause lenders to want to pay back especially at like unfavorable times to, to the network and, and cause some kind of like well, no, mass mean, payback of loans, which is the negative. But they're not exposed to that stuff. Like they don't, it, mm-hmm. they're not even exposed to the room price. Even the room price dives by 50%, like to a borrower, they don't give two shits, right? Because they're not exposed to it. it doesn't matter. They still get their Bitcoin back. It doesn't really matter what, what room's price is to them. Um, but like the, the, the pools themselves are not backing the lending. It's the, it's the lending protocol. It's the rune asset that's backing the lending. So it does, doesn't matter how much BDC is actually in the network because even if you, you mint a bunch of rune to buy back the BDC, send back the person the BDC, like arbitrage bots will put that BDC we just sent out right back into the network just moments later. So you have a, because it's an AMM, you have effectively an infinite amount of, of Bitcoin. Right, because as soon as you swap Bitcoin out, the Bitcoin comes back in through um, through uh, arbitrage, and so it becomes like a kind of like a yo-yo, right? So you basically have an infinite supply of Bitcoin that you can trade your room uh, for what's in the network. It only becomes a problem with like if, if your loan is if your loan is so large that you have more Bitcoin in your in your collateral than the entire pool combined of a single person, then that becomes problematic. In which case, you just have to do it, you know. Just do it twice, like like pay half your loan off now, and then wait for the arbitrage opportunity, and then pay half half of it again, and then you're done. You still, you still get your money back. I see what you mean, and also let me let me just invite everyone that want that wants to come up and like ask questions, especially about about lending, uh, to you know just request and, and come up now. Uh, I am I'm just interested in uh, hearing some more, especially like if you have any any comments about like. Uh, you know the potential like risks of Thorfi and like the levers that we had to control those, and uh, yeah, j- j- just your thoughts about like the, the weak areas of of Thorfi and like what we can do to, um, yeah, just bolster the strength there. Yeah, I mean, um, you want to go savers in lending, or, or just one of those two things? Um, let, let's stick to, let's stick to lending. Cause I think, I think we covered savers a lot already. Yeah. Like we know that the risk of, of lenders is, uh, is put on traditional LPs. So yeah. I think that's like, yeah. So that, that's already kind of there. Let's talk about lending a bit. The risks of lending are is actually much smaller than it sounds like if you look, if you look at it. So I'm, I'm actually not terribly, I'm much more, personally, I'm much more concerned about the, 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 um, risks of since than I am to lending. Uh, by good margin, I even say. The reason why is because uh, the rune supply is still the same. It's 500 million total total supply that can't exist. Right now, uh, it's actually right now it's actually less than that. It's 485, and that's the reason why it's 15 million short is because of the um, the kill switch. Right, we started to the deal just switch from BEP two or ERC20 rune, and some people just didn't do that. 
and so they and the the, the, the ratio to it that is recoverable is kind of dwindling over the time span of a year. So, in effect, we have like 15 million room that's just like that's that has been burnt and just kind of staying burnt right in the current moment. So the worst case scenario is if uh, the design of the lending doesn't actually do accomplish the goal it's trying to accomplish, which is basically just trying to burn, buy and burn lots of room. And instead of instead of you know, burning rooms, we start minting room, like a net, net inflationary, then you can get to a place where we mint back the 15 million room we've already burnt from the kill switch. And then beyond that point, the reserve would, would, would back the remaining loans, whatever that would be, which would probably be, you know, some small amount, I would guess, just because um, we have the ability to start small on this feature, you know, and scale up over time. And so we can wait to see, uh, to get confirmation that the assumptions made around this concept that that, that it works and its func- you know, functions, we can see that it works before we kind of start scaling it more and more and more and more. So we have that ability to kind of like to know beforehand of when something is working or when something is not working, and and not allow the feature to, to scale some massive quantity before we get to that point. So to me, it's like the worst case scenario is like we just meant back the 15 million room we killed in the kill switch and we lose a little bit of room in the reserve, probably not much. So it's like, yeah, it's all right. And so every time you add some sort of feature like this or anytime you have some sort of financial instrument, there's always risks, right? Like even like every, every financial system out there has some failure scenarios or some things that can, that can go wrong. That's, that's true of TradFi, CFI, and DeFi. Uh, the question you have to ask yourself is like, is it worth the risk, right? What are the odds, cyclical odds of that to these kind of failure scenarios actually uh, happen? And then what is the benefit to the protocol by by having a feature that does the thing that we've been talking about lending does? And so for me, like with this lending, this lending design is completely like innovative, completely revolutionary, you can say, just because this lending concept doesn't exist anywhere in any market in any place on the entire planet. That includes DeFi, CFI, TradFi, everything. There's nothing we've never seen alone with these kind of actors before. And that is to me a, a huge game changer. That's worth, it's worth experimenting with at the very minimum. Uh, I suspect that the feature will work quite well just because um, runes price would pump with the usage of the feature. The more it gets used, the more rune that gets bought and the more rune that gets burned and the more you know, pressure uh, comes on, on runes price to go up to outperform the assets around it, right? Bitcoin especially, right? So it'll, I think naturally quite easily out, the micro will outperform the macro uh, of, of these assets just because of the burning. I mean, imagine we did 3X the pools uh, eventually, right? Uh, and that's what, how many millions of room? That was a 30 million room in the, in the, in the uh, pools right now. So it's like 3X that. So you're talking about buying and burning 100 million room from circulating supply. I think it's around 80 million in the pools right now, if I am not mistaken. All right. Well, then if you do 3X the pools at that point, you're, you're talking about buying and burning 200 million room out of circulation. Like that, that, if that number doesn't blow your mind, it probably should. I mean, that would be um, drastic. Not to mention that studies have shown that uh, def- deflating a coin is not a one-to-one ratio. Like if you have the coin uh, quantity in supply, it doesn't, it doesn't double the price. You think it would. Mathematically, it seems like it would, but the psychology shows that that the price actually changed 5.2x what it was before, right? So, um, because because Bitcoiners or, or crypto people in general love deflationary assets, it gets all excited, so it creates a lot of 
interested by in, outside of the context of just the having of the supply. So you actually have an, 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 uh, a multiplier on top of the actual burden that's happening just because of people love the, the idea of a, of a depreciatory uh, asset, right? So, uh, I mean, I feel pretty, pretty, pretty comfortable with it and, and quite, quite confident about it personally. Uh, but we should try it first on a small scale and then, you know, scale up over time. And, and as we feel more and more confident about it, then, you know, let it scale, let it continue to buy and burn more and more and more and more room. And as much as the, the industry is willing to do and, and cause the room price to go up, which causes the security to go up, which causes the pools to get deeper. Trade volume naturally increases with that. I mean, it just becomes this, this kind of like amazing thing. I brought up Khan. I don't know if you had some comments about the lending Khan. Yeah. So, um, so, something that I, I was thinking the other day, I, want, I just want to share um, some thought. <clears throat> so, uh, like when, it, when lending is described, there's usually uh, this mental model where, like, the first time, uh, so, so somebody comes in, takes out the loan, um, and the protocol lands out. Um, so, so, um, an outsider comes, deposits collateral, and then uh, the debt is minted. And during that process, Rune is being burned. Um, and so, um, um, like, during the time of, of landing, the protocol is, um, is in net positive position. Um, uh, what matters is the time when the, the um, loan is being repaid. And if you, if you look at the time of, of debt being minted and debt being repaid, um, like depending on runes priced against non-rune, uh, the result of it can be net inflationary or net deflationary. So usually uh, the mental model is that like, oh, if we're in a bull market, uh, then rune is going to outprice uh, these bigger market cap coins. Um, and so, um, so like, there's not much to worry about in that scenario. And I totally agree with that. Um, what I don't fully agree with is that in bear market, um, that uh, um, there's this argument that in bear market, the collateral can fall uh, below the debt, at which point there won't be much incentive to repay the loan. And so that won't uh, result, manifest as a stress uh, on um, room supply. Um, however, that like that assumption assumes that collateral is like just went straight down below the debt amount. In reality, uh, what I started to think is that like the collateral ratio, let's say, let's imagine a collateral ratio of like 600 or like 800 percent. Right. Um, it's going to be determined by market. But let's say the market has decided on the 800 like collateral ratio. Uh, um, and so as the prices of assets fall, um, the collateral, uh, can still go down. It can approach the debt, but it, it can still remain higher for a long time. Right. Because like in order for it to, to go below, um, the market must crash like 90%. And then that can happen over a course of like months. And so during that time, people actually might lose interest in um, in in um, uh, lending um, as a product, and and like 
they may just like not want to hold Bitcoin anymore, right? Um, they might just want to like swap it to a stable. And so um, let's say I have a collateral at $800 is falling in the form of Bitcoin and it's falling, it's the price is falling down. My debt is $100. So, so the, the price falls down and now it's like, let's say the collateral is like 700, 600, 500, 400. I don't necessarily have to wait until the collateral is like below the debt. I can just like repay my debt and get my like Bitcoin and then like swap it to a stable and just like exit the system, right? So I might just lose interest in, in holding crypto assets. Um, so I think there's like a lot, a lot of emphasis on this, like, oh, like people aren't, won't pay back their loans when, they're, when it's below the debt. Uh, but uh, in, in reality, like uh, that, that may not uh, turn out to be like very um, healthy way to describe the, the, the potential realistic scenarios. Yeah, I think what you're describing is, is fair and true, right? I think some some people will do the thing that you're describing that their collateral is worth 800, their debt's worth 100, and it it goes down to 300, and then they they repay their loan and get the, the 300 dollars worth of uh, of their of their collateral back, and that, and that's there. Totally true. Totally agree with what you're saying. But the vast majority of people don't think that way, and the vast majority of most people who take out loans aren't aren't that kind of aren't your advanced trader type of person. Right. And you should just write things. I think there's, there's something to be said of like, of just letting your, just keeping holding on to your debt and just kind of like as, as your kind of hedge to your collateral. So if, you know, market goes down, you, you still have your, your, you know, thousand dollars you have or hundred dollars, whatever it is, you know? Um, I think what I'm, what I'm most interested in is not so much the scenarios in which people can repay their loans and have a net inflation. What I'm interested in is what is the, what is the overall market tendency? And that's probably the most important concept. It's not so much, can an individual do what you're describing? Absolutely true. Will the market do what you're describing? Probably not. Why not? Why not? Because like, um, I mean, at the end of the day, borrowers, they're holding... Well, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Uh, BlockFi was going like out of business, right? Or, or was becoming insolvent. And it was increasingly clear that that was the case. People were talking about it and people were, you know, in reality, though, like only half the people actually even closed their loans out of BlockFi in that scenario. Right. It's, it, it might be a surprising number, but that's what I'm told uh, what actually happened. So it's like the market isn't as, um, you know, as, as logical as what you're thinking in the context of what an individual might be like wanting to, to, to de-risk themselves by like closing their loan and just selling their BDC and then going back to the dollar. Individuals certainly do that. I just don't think the market does that. Uh, on Khan's on point, I mean, I think one, one scenario where that is common is that people use loans to, to go long, right? They, they use it as leverage, right? They, borrow against BTC in this case, and they, they buy more BTC. So, so what Khan is describing is basically like closing along at a loss, which seems like a pretty common scenario if like the trade doesn't go your way, right? Yeah, I mean, you can do that if you want to. And, and I will guarantee you that some people will do that. But you have to imagine that, that, that like this is not just an investment tool in a sense of like what uh, you know, taking a hedge on, on Bitcoin or something like this, but also my, my hope that people actually use to actually do things in their lives and like take out cash and buy a car 
or something like this. In which case, you know, they'll pay it down over time and, and that'll be a, a fine thing to do rather than like reacting to Bitcoin's price being changed or what have you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's a fair scenario. I don't think that means that everybody does it. Um, the, yeah, I guess the thing like, that would be cool to see, like, like modeling around most, is the totals. Most people, right, hold, like, they take, just look at the bull and the bear thing, right? Like, look at the last bull and the current bear. Most people have Bitcoin, and they just held through it, right? Some people sold their Bitcoin to, to, to stables, and, and they're going to buy back in at the bottom, blah, blah, blah. But the vast majority of people did not do that. Right. I'm, 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 is that a fair thing to say? Or, or, or people disagree with that statement? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I generally believe that people hold. Yeah. yeah that's true. Because most people are, the majority of traders are emotional traders, right? They're, most people, mo- most of the money is, is dumb money, right? I think, I think Ken would agree with me on this. And people are, are, are holding their Bitcoin in a loan, whatever, and they think Bitcoin's going to hit 100K, like basically everybody was saying in the last bull market. And that didn't happen. And we just tanked from, you know, 61 down to, you know, 20 in a relatively short period of time. Thanks to Terra and FTX and these kind of calamities that just tanked the price very quickly. Right. That's what we see every almost every cycle. We didn't have the blow up top, the blow off top that we've had uh, in previous cycles to this last one. But even even with that, we still the vast majority of people just hold through it. Like and I'm one of them. Like I didn't I didn't sell any Bitcoin that I had. Right, I still have the same amount of Bitcoin as I did, you know, at, at the at the top of the of the of the bullet. I'm not, I don't feel bad about it either, to be honest. I, I mean, I'm laughing because I, I'm I'm pretty much same. I, I, I just sold it. That's <laughs> I love how you're arguing for a snare that you yourself don't do. <laughs> no, but but I, I count myself as a power user, though. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, like people people who use this product will be. I'm pretty much in the weeds of crypto as well. Um, I don't know. I think at least in the beginning. Um, but yeah, like my, my argument was that generally, like if you look at it from a lens of like, like if you look at it from a lens of, yes, your collateral will be there. Um, you can always get your collateral back. That, that all makes sense. But like your collateral, it, if, if your collateral is an exposure to crypto and you just want to like, sell your crypto then then the part then then the the rune uh supply will 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 be stressed at that at that point and um like i'm just i'm just like pointing this out because i've seen a number of times when when this landing like how powerful it is is described is that um like too much emphasis is is on like the scenario when collateral is below the depth yeah uh i 100% agree if collateral is below the depth yes people aren't going to pay and that's a good that's a, that's a good case for Torchain because we're we're gonna be able to like keep that liquidity uh, when like uh, everything is like getting drained out of liquidity. Yeah. Um. That that's great. But the thing is like that's usually applicable to like short uh, like sharp falls in my, in my mind. Yeah. Like if like like prices tank like really sharp, people won't be able to like uh, react to it pretty quickly. And stuff like that, but if like market like tanks like slowly, maybe that's not going to be the case. So I'm just pointing. Yeah, that but out. it's also important to kind of think about that when somebody actually does close a loan, right, and it does cause a net inflation in that particular loan case, they also just decrease the CR, right, which creates pressure for more people to open up the new loan. So there's a good chance 
that somebody closing a loan will be in some sense replaced by somebody opening up a new loan and causing deflation. Right. So like there's always going to be some amount of loans that are, that are open at all, at all times, just because as soon as something it gets closed, another one, there's pressure to add, to open up a new one. Right. And so at any given point in time, there's going to be, you know, X number of loans out that has burnt Y number of room, blah, blah, blah. And so even in that scenario where we are inflating by, by some amount, it's like, still net deflationary even at that moment it becomes a problem if it's like every if it happens like every you know bear market the thing that you're describing and over this over the time span of like the next four or five cycles that we eventually get back to a net inflationary situation that is possible but we probably wouldn't be able to see that in the first couple cycles do you know what I mean by that right 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 so like if, if i if the market's tanking and i'm like a uh like i'm a holder like i i'm in my mind I just like decided to hold like Bitcoin for uh, five years or so uh, or, or, or whatever. In that case, like that's a good strategy for me, right? I can just like um, a- as people get out of the lending, uh, uh, like they pay back their debt, collateral ratio drops. Now I can take out more debt on my Bitcoin. And if I want to lever up, just let's imagine a, a levering up use case here. Uh, now I can lever up more on my Bitcoin. And then I can get to keep it. Um, yeah. So that's probably a better strategy for me than just like holding Bitcoin. I can hold more Bitcoin basically by doing that. So yeah, that makes sense. Like there will always be this like um, constant demand to to use the product for sure. Right. And so because of that, there's going to be it's going to take a long period. I mean, if there is a problem where things are just tending tending towards inflation, in my view, it would take many 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 years and probably bring to cycles to get to the quantity they require to actually cause a net inflation. But if that was happening, we would probably see it years in advance, to be honest with you, most likely, unless it's sort of a cataclysmic event that occurs. But like, generally speaking, you would see that, you know, quite a long ways away. And then if we wanted to, we could like, all right, well, you know, this, this, this particular design has, it's not working 100% the way we thought it was going to work out. So we can introduce the concept of an, an interest rate to, you know, to better protect the network from, from an inflation scenario. Right. So we can adjust as we need to. I wanted to start on the, on the, with, with the approach, the design that is the most, the best, most perfect loan we could possibly even think or dream of in some sense and start with the, the best case scenario. And then if we find that it's just, it's just not working out the way we thought that we can, you know, maybe, maybe add interest rate or, or something like this. I'm curious what Khan's opinion is on, uh extending lending past the barrier of like how much bitcoin is in the pool because that, that's something that, that that chad talks about but that's that's the thing i it's difficult for a lot of us to, to wrap our head around like basically like having a greater liability than the current depth of the pool and obviously like the the pool can get more assets but uh that 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 scenario I, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to hear uh, your your thoughts and opinions on extending lending past the the barriers of the pool. Um, can actually one of you walk me through through it? What is the the current limitation? I'm, I'm actually not fully aware of the situation. The, limit, the limitation um, on on lending. Yeah. Um, so the limitation on lending is is just by uh, setting how fast the CR grows. Right, and eventually the CR grows so high that nobody's willing to take out any new uh, any new loans. Right, that that becomes the there's nothing actually stopping anybody from opening up more loans. 
the question is, is it, you know, worthwhile deal? And, and at some point it's not right at some point. Um, yeah. The, the network will swap your BDC that you give us into derived asset BDC and hold it within the network. So you can check the wallet of the lending protocol at any given moment, see how much derived BDC it has, how much derived ether it has, how much derived uh, atom or whatever. And you can figure out like, Oh, here's the total amount of collateral that the network is uh, has and derived asset. This is like, and you can calculate this and say, Oh, there's, you know, 2000 BDC and there's 10,000 ether and there's da, 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 da. And you can do the math and calculate, well, if I were to swap all this derived asset into the layer ones, you know, how much rude would we have to be minted, right, to, to, to do that thing? And so I think the, what, what Kyle is po pointing at is that, that there could be a confusion amongst the industry that thinks that what's backing the, you know, the, the loan collateral is the pool, which is not the case. It's the derived asset that the lending protocol is holding. Right. And so there's a concern that people will panic and freak out that the thing has become insolvent. In reality, it's not. But they're, because they're confused on the mechanisms of how this thing actually works, they're like, oh, no, there's not enough layer one BDC in the pool to back the 10,000, you know, four BDC that exists, blah, blah, blah. Uh, insolvency, like, you know, and, and freak out. <laughs> Even though it's not the case. Okay. This, this is like this is what's funny to me is like if we're arguing about this design in a way that like that not about we're not arguing about the design anymore we're arguing about people not understanding the design we're probably in a good place <laughs> yeah well I, I'm still trying to understand the design like I, I feel like I, I try and think about this very often and I, I feel like I'm still trying to like I, I'm still uh, I'm not I'm approaching the uh, understanding of it but I'm not like uh, you know to, to where, like, I, I can say, like, I completely understand all of the, uh, like, okay, so the lending, lending protocol actually holds derived assets in a, in a separate vault, or is it just a, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter whether it's the liability or whether it actually holds those derived assets, yeah. but maybe, maybe you could explain that part a, a, a little bit better um, yeah, the, on, like, basically how, it, how that's all accounted. Yeah, it's, it's just a wallet, effectively, with no private key that the network itself owns. Nobody can transact with it. It's just, it's a wallet, right? Um, it's a Thor address, in effect, that has no private key. And so uh, that, that's just going to be a wallet. That just, that's just going to be like the interim holder of the derived assets, all the collateral that, that the network has. And then once you close it, you get some of that collateral back, depending on, you know, the amount you, your debt you repaid and all these kind of things. So it's just, it's just sitting there just, just for accounting purposes, really, is what it was there for. Like, however, like back to basics, but like every collateral deposited in order to mint, uh, in order to like uh, um, borrow, mm -hmm. right? It, it remains in the pool. Yeah. And so the pool, the pool should grow as as lenders pile in. Uh, and... not really, just because um, the your your the the collateral is always the derived asset. You might send us in layer one BDC, but from the the lender receives the, the, the derived asset that you swap to, and that becomes their collateral. So you're gonna you're gonna add layer one BDC into the pool, so you're gonna increase the quantity of BDC. You're gonna take out rune from the pool, so you're decreasing the quantity of rune. So the so right. the, the value of the pool in general is basically the same. It's increased slightly from the swap fee that was that was collected, but it's generally the same value. And then the rune gets burnt. 
and then mints the the derived asset, and that and then that that fee gets burned forever. Whatever that fee is there gets forever burned. You know, from the got it. So okay, so the, the, what I'm what I'm saying isn't true because you're not actually taking a loan out on the native asset. Just similar to how synths aren't actually earning yield on a layer one asset, what you're right. actually doing is earning yield on a synthetic asset. This is actually taking just taking a loan out on a derived asset but you're using you're originating with the native layer one asset which is right it, it's sim, it's similar in in it's like a, a parallel to 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 savers right uh, into like how we describe how we describe what is happening versus what is like actually happening with the protocol and i, I think that's kind of like sort of the it's not the, the problem but it's just like um like the, the disconnect versus like what we say the feature is and what, what we try to design the feature to, to be like and, and mimic versus like what's actually happening on, on the protocol. Right. Cause like we, 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 like we say a lot like, Oh yeah. Na native assets, native assets, native assets, but like all the, these things that are being done, like, like savers isn't, isn't yield on the actual native asset. It's just using that native asset to earn yield in the synthetic asset, which is redeemable for the native asset. Right. So it's like at the base level, it's the same thing, but it's, so like that's why I'm just trying to clear this up and like understand it better for myself because like other people are going to have the same confusion times like right. times fifty <laughs> and and be thinking that uh, it, it's something that it's that it's not because uh, it's the simpler way to un understand it. So that, that's just kind of why I'm trying to clear this up. Right. So I'm I'm also what? still a bit in the middle here and and just a, a question on that though is because. Because you say that the that they're like um, lending is separate from the pool, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like it doesn't. Where I where I can't follow that is like I I I get it like on the first step, right? Like yeah, it's it's the it's actually the derived asset, but isn't the reality that then the the rune is going to get minted and that's going to get swapped in the pool and native Bitcoin is going to get taken out of the pool, right? Correct. Like like the 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 loan closer has the exact same goal as the saver panicker mm -hmm. and that is to redeem for native bitcoin out of the pool right. so that's why i don't understand how how you say they're like fully separate i mean i understand like mechanistically they're separate but to me it just seems like they both still have that same goal of take native bitcoin out of the liquidity right pool. they do but the difference is that once somebody uh, closes their loan and takes native bitcoin out of the, of the big bitcoin pool the bitcoin comes right back in because arbitrage bots Swap Bitcoin to Rune and do the inverse trade effectively, and so like the net. The and does that hold up when you're adding when you're like minting new Rune? I mean, does because I guess my see, I, yeah, ARBs are really complicated and really confusing. Because yeah, if you're if you're minting Rune and adding it in, is the ARB always there, or could the Rune price just absorb the downside? No, the ARB is always there. I, I think the key the key here is that when you exit, you only exit with Bitcoin only and and like not rune. Right. Like in, in like regular LP, you exit like both of them. And so the pool shrinks. But here in this scenario, you would only exit with 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 only one side. And so all of the rest of like the rest of the pools will, will remain the same. And so like, yeah, like arbitrage. Tech, tech if it functions well, it should, it should fill in that, that gap. Technically, the pool yeah. gets deeper each time this happens just because of the swap fee that, that is taken out of the room to be later one BDC trade that's happening, right? So the, 
so the LPs and the savers are, are making an income each time this happens and the pool is actually getting deeper and more valuable. And like the, the number of BDC, it does not actually decrease once arbitrage comes in and puts it back in. Yeah, but, but this is definitely hard to like wrap your head around. Like I, I need to write another Torchain report. Uh, Please. As, as this product like is uh, um, gets close to launch, uh, I, I, I really want to dive in. Uh, and and to me, like even to me, like I think there are missing pieces, uh, like um, uh, like some others, definitely. Well, if you have if you have more Chat. pieces, give them to us because I'd be happy to hear about them. What, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. How is the uh, on that note? How is the timeline? Like, I wonder. Um, In terms of how is the time? Like, I know, I know, you guys are prioritizing this, but. Uh, and like t- giving timings on these is super hard, but yeah. Yeah, the the code's already written, right? It's already done. Um, we might need to make some tweaks and changes. We might need to fix some bugs and such, but you know, the code is there. Uh, there's three PRs that are currently open that I'm waiting for um, the Nine Realms team and Thorsec to review and you know, and eventually merge. And then once that happens, we would basically enable the feature on StageNet, right, where we could start doing some kind of messing around and testing and experimentation with it. And then once we feel confident about it, we would actually go ahead and launch it on mainnet, you know, with, with limitations. And then, you know, we'll be raising the caps in a sense. What, what timing, like I'm hoping it'll be Q1 when we launch it on main, on mainnet. That's my intention, but it's, it's outside of my, my, I, I did my job, which is, um, you know, come up with, with, the, with, with some of the concepts that, of it and, and, writing the code and, and delivering it now that rest is up for just testing and validation yeah when you say like i'm ready or, or something like that i always remind I, that always reminds me of this like amazing meme of uh, like the movie meme um uh and anyways i for, I, I like i i I realized I, i'm not going to be able to explain it but there was a very funny meme. <laughs> There's a very funny meme of yours, like pushing uh, everyone, saying like we're ready, like we can we can push the code and stuff, something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you have any more questions, please let me know because I'd be happy to answer them. You know. Yeah. No. Definitely. I I, I want to dive in uh, dive into um, uh, like really dig into numbers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and we'll definitely do it at, at some point, and, and we'll reach out. Oh, and by the way, like when you were talking about net inflation of Rune in some scenarios, like um, similar to uh, since and what you were saying about since a while many moons ago, um, that, that it's asymmetric on the network side because the act of entering and the act of closing alone, you know, gives you less of your asset of return, like. If you put in one Bitcoin as your collateral, you'll, you'll never get one Bitcoin back, one full Bitcoin back as your collateral because there's swap fees on the inbound and the swap fees on the outbound, right? And so there's always kind of like an asymmetric on the network's side, right? I mean, th- that and plus, if you look at like liabilities versus realized like liabilities, yeah. like because there will always be people currently uh, like borrowed and haven't paid their loan, mm-hmm. um, like probably will be net net deflationary, like for the most part, right? Right, uh, right. Yeah. right. Um, 
I, I, what was the what was the case with the uh, if Rude inflates? Uh, what was the back like backstop there? Like, I know um, the supply kind of is still capped. Yeah. Right? So the we had this idea of doing a circuit breaker because I, I think a lot of people like the idea of the su- supply, the monetary supply, of, a monetary su- a policy of Rude being five hundred million be kept there. Uh, and it helps us to kind of combat some fears of like terrible blah, 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 shit bullshit. But um, so they want to have a circuit breaker, right? That we can't mint beyond the five hundred million. So initially, the idea was, okay, if we, we just we just don't mint back over five hundred million. So if you have if you if you have an open open loan and we hit that five hundred cap, then you're shit out of luck and you can't you basically can't close your loan anymore, which sucks for you, right? That was the initial concept of the circuit yeah. breaker. The second version of it, which I, I like better, uh, is that we, we say, no, you can go ahead and close your loan, but instead of minting more room, we're just going to take room from the reserve, which has about 35 or 40% of whatever the hell the number is of the total supply of room in its entirety. Uh, just so that we don't, that we, that we make good on, on the promise that if you open your loan, you can close it and get your collateral back. Uh, and there's no, you know, the one thing we can't allow to happen with lending, the most important thing in my view, is we cannot create doubt that you will not be able to get, close your loan and get your collateral back. Yeah, that, that's a no brain. That's a no go for right. sure. For me, though, I I like I, I don't know if this is a contrarian take. I generally think it's much cleaner and neater design if like we let supply of room be like fluctuate without any caps whatsoever. Um, I, like I think. I think generally, like this decision comes up to like optics, yeah, making people like comfortable. Right. It is, uh, but in reality, in reality, it doesn't change the result really. Like, if the reserve gets drained, like too bad, right? Like, now we need to think about like like whether we should mint new rune to 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 like you know uh, make a great reset and then move on or, or something like that. But, yeah, but um, in reality, the, yeah. the math works out that. The difference between just minting beyond the 500 cap and taking from the reserve is that uh, instead of increasing the supply of rune, you're 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 borrowing from future yield, right? Because you're reducing the yield that the LPs make and the nodes make, blah, 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 and you're basically borrowing on on the future yield in some sense. I it's purely a, an optical optics thing. If if I had my way, I would just do what you're saying and just not have a max supply cap on rune anymore. If it was up to me. But to be honest, like in my view, that this is all kind of a moot conversation, just because I don't think we'll ever get close to the five hundred supply. To be honest, <laughs> I said the heart. <laughs> Does anyone from the audience uh, have questions and want to come up and and ask about about Thorify? Really, anything? Like we're kind of pretty deep in the weeds here, but even if it's just some basics. Uh, this is a good time to come up and ask your questions. Yeah, one of the things I'm hoping this actually happens from this uh, that people put me you know, be even thinking about is that just while people are raising their hands, um, is that Binance has a lot of rune in it, right? It's a lot of user deposits. Not Binance doesn't have a lot of rune, but it's holding user deposits with a lot of rune. And I would love to see this this feature just kind of start sucking that rune out. Right, just by creating so much buy pressure, all that room that leaves Binance, and and then all most more more of a higher percentage of the room supply is inside the network in one form or another. That's what I'm hoping happens. Yeah, 
Yeah, they have around. They have a, a lot of rune. I think they have like fifty-five million rune or something like that uh, yeah. in, in total. Like it's quite, it's quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, seeing seeing it all go to the network eventually is something I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either the bond of the pools. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Binance doesn't run any uh, any any nodes or anything. I don't think they've ever uh mentioned anything like that as far as yeah, as far as you know right or not like I, I i'm not aware of it if they're running any nodes or not i hope they would they have a bunch of room they should um yeah right why not but it's usually it's, I, it's becomes like it's it's not their their room it's, it's user deposits right so that it's questionable what they you know they can't just take that room and just you know dump it on the market or something like this Any questions from the audience? Uh, no one requested to come up. Really? That'd be the first time I've seen that, I think. Maybe a lot of people uh, know the Thorfine design pretty well at this point. <laughs> yeah, there's just really no questions about it whatsoever. <laughs> it's a, I mean, so like people have to realize that this, this, whole, Ship this it. whole design, this whole concept is just completely novel. Right, like no, I don't. To my knowledge, and can you can agree to Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like the, nobody's ever done anything remotely close to this concept before. It's completely new, completely novel, uh, and if it works, it's going to be one of the most like significant contributions to DeFi we've had in, in many years. So I'm I'm hoping that it works. I think that it works. I'm a smart guy, but I'm not infallible, right? Uh, and so I could be wrong, and that's why we kind of have these open conversations amongst the community, amongst you know, people like can and, and, and this kind of thing. So people can, you know, voice their perspectives and want to see it happen or want to see it not happen, right? But in the end, I think it's worthwhile trying it out and experimenting and seeing how it works. Brought up Awakening Humanity. Hey, hey um, yeah, so uh, I'm also just, you know, trying to wrap my head around that. So um, maybe, you know, for layman's terms, if you can explain it that way, maybe... Um, let me put it this way. So let's just say I'm, you know, I'm getting over collateralized with Luna that happened where, you know, once we hit a certain, you know, um, um, what is it? The, uh, uh, the collateral, you know, liquidation point, you get liquidated and that's it. So with, with, uh, with the store five, I'm understanding correctly. You're saying that you cannot get liquidated whatsoever, right? So mm -hmm. is it like an, is it like an endless loop essentially, where okay in the bull market i'm you know um i'm taking out whatever fifty thousand dollars and i'm buying more bitcoin and until the music stop music music stops essentially is that is that a way uh, is that do I, do I understand that correctly and is there any downside with that if that's so um well yeah i mean what you're describing is you, you're basically three x longing your bitcoin position using using the lending design to kind of like have a levered position on Bitcoin, you can totally do that, and there's no there's no um, uh, liquidation, so you know wow. you never you never lose that never lose that Bitcoin even in in a, in a bear market, right? You may not be able to access that Bitcoin during the bear market because it just wouldn't, wouldn't make sense to do it. But once yeah. the market goes full again, you know, a few years later, whatever that is, and, and Bitcoin's priced now at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, then you can go ahead and pay back your loan and get get your get your BDC back. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So. So let me ask you this. So let's say, you know, I'm requesting whatever, $50,000, and thousands of other people are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
where is the USDC or USDT coming from? Um, you mean the, the debt that you're receiving? Yes, yeah, the, because yeah. because Thorfi gives out that fifty thousand USDC if I'm requesting USDC, right. right? Or is it only BTC? I forgot. But where is that? No, it, where is it, that coming from? And where is the limit? Or is it unlimited? Um, so it's coming from the lending protocol itself. So you're you're giving the network ten thousand rune worth of Bitcoin, for example. We burn that ten thousand, or we take we maybe they may another way to think about it. We we burn half of it and then we they, we swap the other half to, to USDC and then sending that USDC on the side. So the network is net burns 5,000 rune from the supply of network, from, from the supply of uh, um, uh, of the, of the uh, network, yeah. So 50% of Bitcoin is, get, is getting sold, yes, to USDC? Uh, it's sort of, yeah, you can, you can kind of think of it. It's, it, this 50% number is based on what your CR is. So if you have 2% CR, that's 50% that you're talking about. If it's 300% lower than that, so forth and so on. So if you have thousands of people doing this, the CR is probably going to get really high really fast because the, because the demand is there. Which means, what does it, what does that mean when the CR is really high? What does it mean? It means that instead of getting 50%, you know, of your, your collateral, you get, 30% or 20% or 10% or 5% uh, depending upon. Oh, uh, I see. So it's less and less and less, essentially. Right. The more popular feature, more loans that are being put out, the, the lower, the less you get back per one per BDC. Okay. Well, why can't it just stay at, let's say, 30%? Why is it con continuously getting lower if, 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 uh, if Thorify continuously sells uh, um, half of it? How, how come like it constantly increases? Because is is there any incentive for people to do it if it's only like five percent? No, there's not. That, that's the point. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the that's the stop, right? That's the that's the ending where people will open up more loans. It's the way we it's the way we we control this feature from not being like you know going bananas day one. We want to scale it slowly, right? Well, what is the determining factor? Like, uh, who, like, who controls it? Is it by? Is it? I think I believe it's in a code, or, or, or like, are you saying, oh no, like ten billion is enough, and we're stopping the music now? Or who determines that? How is that determined? For the network itself, for the validators. God. Yeah. So we kind of discussed this a little bit before, where the so the validators for the network will all vote on what the maximum collateralization ratio is and what the maximum amount of of debt we want for the pools. So what, when the amount of debt approaches that maximum, it'll approach the max. It'll also approach the maximum collateralization ratio for a new loan. And uh, when people pay off their loans and that and that goes down, then the collateralization ratio also dips to encourage more people to take loans out. So it, it, it just seeks to find that um, that highest possible collateralization ratio where uh, where things are kind of in balance at a uh, at a market rate. Yeah. If you go back and listen to the recording, we, we kind of went went into it a bit there. But Dorfi is like okay. a completely different design. So like definitely uh, check out the like, design on uh, GitLab. Like you can't have like take Bitcoin, for example, you can't t have static gas uh, cost for Bitcoin. You couldn't just say, you know, to, to transfer one, one, you know, one UTXO, it's, it's some static number. Instead, you need to do it based upon market demand because there'll be more market demand now and less market demand later. 
And so you need you always need something to kind of be like a pendulum that swings, make things more expensive or less expensive, and just reacting to the demand of that feature. So we want to make sure this actually has a supply, it has a demand, and by, by the swing of both of those things together, it determines what the CR is going to be. Oh, okay. So it doesn't start off with like fifty percent or anything. It's all everything is determined by the validators, yeah. Uh, the, the validators determine the, the configuration of the math, but not the math itself, sort of, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, what does it start out with when you launch? Uh, that hasn't been determined yet. Um, this debates around whether it should start low and then, or start high and then inch down lower or, or whatever. That's not, that hasn't been determined quite yet. We still need to figure an answer, but we have, we know what the levers are. We know what the configurations are. And we question like, what do we want to set the minimum, the maximum, and then the quantity of the pool, you know, whether it be half it, one, one size of the pool or two X the pool or, or whatever, that that needs to be determined later on by validators. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I have to say, maybe that is the answer what Celsius and Luna and all of them are, we're trying to do <laughs> unsuccessfully. Right. I, I actually met with one of the guys from, um, which one was it? It was not um, BlockFi, it was uh, Celsius. I, was, I met with one of the Celsius guys and I told him about our savings and lending design. And he was shocked by it. He, he told me at the time, he, he's, his face turned almost white. And he said, uh, oh, so you guys are doing everything that we're doing just decentralized. And I said, yeah, exactly. Wow. That's amazing. I'm really excited. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your question, man. Um, all right. So to, to follow up on like what I was saying earlier about how uh, lenders is kind of akin to, to saving, as in you're not actually saving or lending the uh, layer one asset, you're actually lending and saving the synth and derived asset. Uh, so does, does it actually pose any risk to the, is it because of the, the LTVs that doesn't pose any risk to the uh, actual liquidity providers? Because uh, like the, the hard stop here is like, we, like we need the liquidity providers in the network to continue to provide liquidity and, uh, you know, provide their provide their Bitcoin to the network so other people can can lend and borrow and, and, and trade and, and, and do whatever. So does lending in, in your opinion, like cause any additional risk to them where they might not have their their Bitcoin or, or to savers or to the other others like stakeholders in the network other than rune holders? Um, yeah, so the the LPs and the savers. Uh, they don't really care too much about lending. They're not exposed. If lending completely bombs, right? In a matter of speaking, the, the LPs don't really give a shit, right? Or the savers don't really give a shit. It doesn't really affect them at all. It's almost, it's almost like, um, um, uh, it's like if I was selling tickets to like a high school basketball team, right? Like the pools are used to get in and out of it, uh, in and out of lending. They're used to like, and they, and they pay money to the to the LPs and the savers to do so. Right, because you're just swapping for a derived asset, so you're not actually affecting right. the, the balance of the pool itself. So it's almost like, so if you have a high school ba basketball game and there's like a five dollar entry charge to go watch the game, right? And, and the LPs are like the, the admission, right? They're 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 charging you to get into the to go watch the game, right? Or to come out of the game, like you're paying on the way in, you're paying on the way out. But whether or not 
you know, the home team wins or the away team wins or whatever happens within the context of that game, the person charging for admission doesn't really give two shits, right? They still made their money. They don't care if the home team wins or the away team wins. They still win, right? Because they have, they get the admission, they get the five bucks to enter and they pay another five bucks to leave or whatever the hell it is. But what happens within the context of the game, they don't really care. They're not really exposed to it. So LPs in the matter speaking are that. Now, if you want to get very technical about it, uh, the the inflation of rune or the deflation of rune, uh, dual side LPs will care because that will cause rune's price to go up or down. So there's so there's kind of more of an indirect relationship because they're exposed to the rune price and what happens with lending can can affect the rune rune price. But from a more di- more directional perspective, like they're not really involved at all. Okay, so that that is probably a major point of like clarification because and that's probably one of the major points of confusion from someone like trying to understand uh you know the whole lending design so like all right let, let's let's picture this it's it's june thorfai is released and you're on cnbc and someone's asking you like wh- like do the uh, liquidity providers have any have any risk from 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 thorfai from their collateral being being lent out now like I don't. I don't think you. I think you'd say that that that's false. But what, like, what is your like answer to that? Like, well, there, to, to the layman who might not like, who doesn't really understand this, like, as deeply. Right. But the the LP is not having their collateral be lent out because they're being they're being compensated. It's not like you put up your ether and then somebody sends the ether out and and there's less ether in the network. You're putting up your ether and then people are just trading it swapping for it. It's the same with what you what you did yesterday. Like, there's no there's no difference from the LP perspective of what's happening in the pool now versus after lending all they know is that people are putting in one asset rune and they're taking out ether they're putting in ether they're taking out rune it's the same thing like to them it's no different it just actually for the for the lp they like it because now there's gonna be a higher trade volume in the pools because there are people opening and closing their loans it's just going to create more natural you know volume of trades just with increasing their yield in a sense right but in the end like they're not their liquidity that they put into the, into, the, into the network is not being used for loans. It's not being lent out to other people or, or any of these things. It's being bought and then being sent out to other people, but it's, you're, not, you're being compensated for it. You're not just sending it out. Right, because the lender is the network itself because they're actually being lent a derived asset, which is then being swapped to a layer one asset. Yeah, they're they're I mean, the, the, the network is, yes, the network is holding their derived asset on their, on their behalf. Right, holding their collateral, holding the value of their collateral, which is that derived asset, and then when you return, you know, and pay down your debt with whatever quantity or coins that needed to do so, you get your collateral back minus swap fees. Cool. Thanks for answering those questions. I, I feel like that. That I, every time I just feel like I just learns just i just inch a little bit closer yeah. to like getting that fo- more full understanding so like it, it, this is helpful because that like you know like all, all of us do have the duty to like um understand this deeply and like uh, you know, understand exactly how things works and I, I i do feel more confident that i understand how lps aren't the ones that are lending it, right. it's the, the protocol itself that's actually making the loan what's interesting is that the and taking the, the risk. original yep. Torify design that we launched like a year ago or documented a year ago for, for public comment um that the savers and the lending design within that, co- that original concept is that the the savers needed the lending the lending needed the savers to for to achieve each other's goals 
And so you couldn't have one without the other. They kind of required both sides of the coin in order for them both to accomplish what they what they offer, the service that they offer. What's different about the newer designs is that the saving and the lending are not correlated or connected the way that it was in the original Torfa design. And so if one does very well and the other one just completely fails, the other one doesn't really give two shits. You know, it doesn't, really, it doesn't even matter much to them. Would anyone else like to come up and speak? Otherwise, uh, we can get wrapped up soon. Um, I'd like to just um, um, bring in new color to, to, to the discussion before we close. Uh, one of my personal goals this year is uh, basically to, to learn more about privacy, basically how these technologies work and everything. So I'm, I'm tipping my toes uh, in, in that sense. And I can I can tell like from a, like from a very initial look that like programmable privacy is like extremely hard like making blockchains both programmable and private is extremely hard and there's like a lot of privacy projects out there but one of the biggest like fundamental problems is that uh, is the anonymity set so like the more people participate in the privacy protocol the more privacy you ha- you get usually like as a, as a general like um, look um, and so like for things like you know Aztec and everything like that they're really cool projects however like if there's not many people using them you don't get privacy so uh, where I'm getting at is basically like I think Monero is is a, is in a great spot to offer privacy uh, on-chain privacy for users because it has a lot of liquidity it has uh you know a very large community and whatnot and then i really like the 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 direction where torchain was going with um haven and and monero integrations and, and whatnot and now like landing is i know prioritized um you know uh, privacy is is uh will, will, i still believe it, it will like torchain will will support it um yeah, just uh, just see wh- how you guys think about it at, at this point. How how Chad thinks about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like, privacy is a very difficult thing to accomplish. Uh, and the type of privacy we have now, the, the, when we talk about privacy versus like privacy in the nineteen nineties, is that before we we're talking about encryption. Usually, it's just like a, a, typically a shared secret approach. Which that type of privacy is actually very good and very effective. And it's very hard to break that stuff. The the privacy we have now, which is just a, a big mixer or kind of shuffling things and like that kind of stuff. Like you're right, the more transactions there are, the the more privacy there effectively is, or the more difficult it is to, to kind of unwind what's occurring or, ha- or transpiring. And the vast majority of privacy networks we feel like we have today are not that private. I'm willing to bet that many governments probably have already broken Tornado Cash, for example. Right, that doesn't have the volume to really as effective as people think that it is it's fine mm-hmm. if you want to like you know if, if you're if you're just trying to buy a hot dog and you want to you don't want the hot dog stand guy to know your how much you know easier you have in your address or something like this it's, it's fine right you can you can do that and you can use it you can use tornado for that purpose if you're trying to like launder money or do something on a, on a much larger scale then, then i don't think any of these tools are really that all that effective to be honest with you and this might my, my mm-hmm. two cents uh so people should not treat them as like you know ways of hiding information from governments because I'm pretty sure they can probably break all these things. Monero is probably the best one and that's probably the hardest one to break 
And I agree with you, which is one of the reasons why I would love to see Monero uh, inter interface with ThorChain, not only because it has privacy, but we would, we as a community would contribute to the privacy of Monero by having more transactions, right? Increasing the quantity of transactions they have per day on their network. So I would love to see that happen and, and, I'm, and I would advocate for it. Yeah. Yeah, I to I totally think that's like a very very um like unique competitive advantage that Torchain can bring uh into the table. Um like in addition to uh, like I, I see it as the biggest competitive advantage to be as a, as a, as a uh way to permissionlessly like swap Bitcoin to Ethereum and back and and Ethereum uh meaning Ether and stables. Uh obviously other chains are also important, but I think uh, generally less so. Um but like Monero is definitely one of the top ones. Like, if in an alternative space, Torchain was only supporting Monero, Bitcoin, and Ethereum, I'd be like super happy with 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 it. Uh, with it, like I think that's where the competitive edge kind of lies. So definitely want to see see that happen sooner rather than later. Khan, I'm curious your perspective on like that in the context of where the network is today, and is the network ready for it in terms of uh, decentralization, where the nodes are located, how many nodes there are, uh, even even front ends, um, you know, just like regulatory kind of attack vectors and stuff like that. Because I think everyone in the community is aligned on the ideological part of supporting privacy chains. I think the the controversial part is, you know, does it threaten the entire network as it stands today? So, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I'm I'm just. Uh, let's say a rune holder and community member. I think like more important people here are definitely validators um, who um, who who can be potentially attacked, right? And so um, like their votes matter definitely more. I feel like. Um, however, I should note that like when people think about privacy, they they usually think about like regulatory pressure. However, like if you look at like Web two, right? Um, like, like even banking system is pretty private uh, to to an extent, right? Like it's definitely more private than than on chain transactions where everybody sees everything at all times forever, right? Um, even if you make a single transaction with someone, that person can see all of your transactions in the like historically and all your transactions in the future. Um, so that's definitely way less private than how things work in Web two, and so like. Um, my my point is that like just adding privacy, um, like just like uh, giving people ability to like um, um, decide what kind of uh, which which parts of their like financial transactions they want to they want to uh, they want to um, disclose uh, or not is basically opens up new use cases, on-chain use cases. I think that it just grows the industry a lot. So it's not just about like um, individual f like freedom or like uh, freedom to transact and whatnot, but if we can bring like more privacy, um, just just a bit better than, than the current state, uh, we can have like way more use cases in, in DeFi, in, in like the whole space. So it's, it's, it's definitely not binary. Um, it's definitely not realistic for um, like governments to continue to demand, oh, everything should be completely transparent at all times. Like that's definitely not realistic, and that that's definitely not how I see the the space will evolve into. Um, 
So I, I totally expect some level of privacy on chain for sure. Um, in, in Tornado Cash, I think the, the primary thing was that like, um, like North Korea hacker group was just like laundering it, and it was so evident, and that was the reaction. Um, however, like, like banning all privacy is just like nonsense. So um, I think people are very like, um, um, like people immediately think like, oh, like regulatory pressure will be huge. But like, if you look at it, like even even regulation like requires some sort of privacy in Web two, like like enforces it actually. Like you cannot, for example, like give out you know your 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 users customers data, uh, and so there's like data protection regulations and whatnot. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, great points. I, I agree. I mean, there's so many use cases for privacy, and I definitely think it's like such an important area beyond just like the ideological reasons, but also just like you said just opens up so many use cases um you know the concern is just that thor chain becomes seen as tornado cash or kind of gets like lumped in the same uh category if you know hackers and stolen funds or whatever is using it uh to get in and out of of monero and then like then you have the problem of are the are the pools like tainted funds um things like that you know yeah obviously going after validators but I'm hopeful that it kind of pans out the way that that you're describing, and um, you know, yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I, I'm approaching. Like, I, I totally understand. I totally understand the co- concerns. Although, like, uh, the th- the thing I'm I'm after is like, like we want uh, businesses, like real economy, to 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 do more transactions with crypto, right? Like, businesses aren't going to use crypto if we're if like this landscape doesn't change. Like, we definitely need solutions here um, for sure. Um, but like I said, it's ultimately like uh, uh, more important what validator thinks and how they feel about it. Basically, I think the the one thing people should like think about, at least one thing I do, is like like the idea of adding Monero for me is it makes right it makes sense from a rights perspective, right? Privacy, we should have the right to privacy, for example. And this is like something that I'm personally I'm just willing to kind of fight over, right? Like this is something that's that if the government wants to challenge our ability to have private transactions using Monero or, or otherwise, then I say, let's, let's, let's have that, that argument. Let's have that debate. Let's have that our day in court or so, so forth and so on. Like Tornado Cash is now going through their own legal process to challenge the OFAC thing and all that kind of stuff. Like this is something we should really fight for, right? And clarify and force the government to clarify that like, no, we actually do have the right to privacy. So even if we add Monero and it does become a problem and the government does a cease and desist or writes some sort of memo, blah, 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 whatever, then the entire crypto industry, not just the Thor chain, but the entire industry would, like Brian Armstrong would probably put a lot of money into, you know, fighting, fighting, challenging the, the whatever ruling that came out or memo that came out. Same thing with like Coin Center and on other places too. So like we would just, they would just open up a hornet's nest that, we, that I would be, be happy to fight with to to prove through a legal pr- process that, that we have the right to privacy and that we don't need to have every transaction be you know uh, public and and, and knowable, knowable by the you know federales. Yeah, that's I don't know what you've me... seen, Chad. Oh. oh, sorry. Uh, the other day on on the ninth, uh, Tom Emmer got a response from the uh, Department of the Treasury just regarding the uh, the whole OFAC designation for Tornado Cash. And uh, one of the things that they that they mentioned was 
so so this is a, a quote directly from the letter to uh Tom Emmer from the Department of the Treasury. And it says, OFAC has not designated Tornado Cash's individual founders, developers, members of the DAO, or users, or other persons involved in supporting Tornado Cash at this time. However, all Tornado Cash property and interests in, pro- in, in property are blocked, and U.S. persons cannot transact with Tornado Cash or deal in its property and interest in property abs- absent authorization from OFAC. So, w- which is an interesting like pivot from uh, you know where they were in July. Uh in that, like, it, it, it's specifically only uh, blocking the Tornado Cash organization and its property and not the individual founders, developers, members of the DAO, or users or other people that support Tornado Cash, just the, uh, the organization itself, however you would uh, mark that, which is an interesting uh, just right. change of stance. Right, and that's... I don't. To be honest, we shouldn't be afraid of the government. We're, what we're doing is going to piss off the government, and we're going to do it because we believe in what we're doing. If we're afraid of the government coming coming at us, then then you know I don't know what you're doing here. This is part of the part of the battle is going to be fighting government at some point in time through illegal pro- procedures or, or or you know new laws that are being created by you know SBF or whatever about regulating this or that or front ends or whatever the hell they're trying to do. Like whatever they're going to do something. And whatever the fuck it's going to be and whatever it is that we as a community have to fight against them and we should continue to do things that we feel is right for us as individuals and as a community and fight for the things that we think are, are you know the things we should fight for and privacy for me is one of those things it does bring back up that conversation of of potential thorchain forks and maybe that's a future of thorchain um where there's like many different Thor chains that have different, different focuses. Um, Cause yeah, in this context, um, like it, it does change the risk profile for, for everyone involved in a sense, right? Like it, it changes it for um, it definitely changes it for node operators, especially um, I would say it also changes it for, for LPs and it even changes it for holders. If, if they feel like, Oh, like, you know, the whole project's going to get attacked and shut down by the government or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll, I don't, I don't know if any of us can predict the future exactly how that's going to play out, but you know, whether it's, whether it's the single Thor chain or whether it's like a, a privacy Thor chain that then can like isolate the risk yet still interact with Thor chain through like aggregation. Um, you know, there's different ways this could play out, but one way or another, it's going to happen, which is the important part. Cool. Uh, let's just answer, let's get these last, uh, two audience members, let's get their questions answered and then we can can wrap up. Thanks for your input for everything, Khan. Uh, great having you on the space today, by the way. Let's start with uh, K Coefficient. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey. Hey. hey uh, I was just uh, just looking at uh, a few days ago. I know Chad Thoreau knows about this, but I was kind of mind-blowing at the volume uh, that the DYDX does. And I know that they have their own chain now. It's, you know, Tendermint chain. So I was kind of, I was just wondering, like, is it even possible to consider looking at DYDX chain as a possible integration for perps? I know that, you know, it's all, it's a perp chain. So, and, and they, they have like off chain order books and everything. I don't know. I don't know how, how close you've looked at that, Chad, if, if, if at all. Uh, I don't well, know if that's totally crazy thinking on my part or what. 
DYDX's volume is kind of inflated because of the yeah, aspect, I'm sure it's all leverage. So, it, so it's like so. I wouldn't take their volume at, at face value necessarily, but um, I don't know if, they, if there's an if there's an integration there or not. To be honest with you, um, there's been talks in the past about doing perks on Thorchain directly, um, and there's even one design that's written up on one of the in, in GitLab, which personally I'm not a particularly huge fan of personally um so it's a it's an approach but i think there's problems uh, with, with that design that i think would, would be an issue but um there's no there's no interest that i have right now with the dydx at the current moment but i'm you know if the community wants to integrate later they can whatever that might look like or be yeah no problem i just didn't know if it was even technically possible or it is possible like because you can you can create pools on, on on there and then make swaps and such. It is definitely possible. Uh, I don't I don't know how that would work or whatever. Like I'd have to you know work with their team and their team would work with our team and figure right. out something. Right. But I, I, yeah, if there's people possible. that are very familiar with DYDX, uh, you know that that's that's probably the way to figure out how DYDX could best interact with Thorchain. Because I'm, I'm sure a lot of us just don't have the time to like really like sit down and like figure out everything that that DYDX does. But I'm sure that there are people here that are avid users of DYDX and like know a lot about their protocol and and how it works. I, I don't think there is their chain actually released already. I thought it was coming out like, like later this year. Uh, I'm not actually sure, but yeah, I don't um, think so yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. That, that I don't know. I don't yeah, think I, I think out. it was supposed to be like Q2 or, Q, or something. Or maybe Version Q3 this year. Was, yeah, V4 was announced last June, and uh, that's all I know. So... Yeah, cool. So, like, if people are familiar and, like, have... And just come up with a vision of, like, what, what you think that, like, how could... Thorchain interact with DYDX, and like that's how we could go to the DYDX team to to approach them about about integration. It's like, you know, we could just go up and say like, "Hey, let's integrate," but then they're going to be like, "All right, well, why why would we want to do that?" But if if people have like actual like product ideas and things that can be built on top of it, and like things, especially things that obviously benefit like DYDX and and Thorchain, like something like like having some kind of native settlement ramp to to Bitcoin, uh, assuming they do like Bitcoin perps. Right, like something like that, like that might be attractive to to their users. So, like that, that is, that's the type of angle that I, that I think of when it comes to like how to sell the the integration slash aggregation aspect of it. Is like how can you make both teams win? Like, is it an easy integration? Uh, and like, how big is that win, especially for the other team because they they need to make a lot of time and effort to put Thorchain on on their roadmap, right? Not not just not just us. So. Yeah. If people have ideas, like there. definitely like brainstorm, <laughs> like you, yeah. use the use yeah. products. I and, did. And I, I was just thinking, thinking like, well, if people people are talking about perps and Thorchain and like you know, like why 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 not just use the best high volume perp protocols out there? So, um, but I don't know if it's even technically possible. So. Yeah, we also touched on earlier, like, you know, maybe it's a protocol somewhere, like, using uh, TC synthetics externally, right? And um, just, I have a quick follow-up on the same topic uh, for you, Chad, is, like, to you, does it make sense to have perps uh, on Thorchain directly? Or, like, is it just better that this is built externally and has, like, a settled to native feature, like like Cal was saying? Because I've been thinking how 
Um, I mean, I don't really use perps much, though. I'm not the expert on it, but I'm pretty sure. Don't you usually like start with a stable coin, go into your your perp long or short, and then basically settle back to a stable coin, right? So I've been thinking, is there that much value in like, does it matter that it's native assets in that case? Like, obviously, yes, there's still risks while you're in the position of like, you know, whether it's wrapped or or you, you could we could talk about like wrapped versus synthetic and like how those risks are not exactly the same. But but does it matter that much to the user if they had like a like a settle to native stable coin at the end of their their trade? And yeah, I don't know. Does it make sense to have it on Thorchain? What do you think? Well, um, for me, when I'm thinking about what should and should not be on Thorchain, uh, I think about what drives value to the liquidity pools and what doesn't. Right. The only goal we have, in some sense, is to drive to create these liquidity pools, these liquidity pools, and drive value to them. Right through so you know depth and swaps and all this kind of stuff. So that's what I think about. So when we talk about doing something like you know composites, for example, which are, or like an ETF or index like concepts, like I'm not entirely sure that actually drives a lot of value into the uh, liquidity pools. It probably would drive some, but maybe not a lot. Uh, Perps on the hand can be a highly profitable thing, or or create a lot of volume on the network because of those perps right so um if we did do it we would just drive more more trade volume onto the layer one pools and so the lps and savers just get higher income which would cause them to you know more lps to come more savers to come called pools get deeper so forth and so on so that's the reason to do it is that it just drives more value to the pools and gets more trade volume on the network that's really the only reason to do it if you ask me rather than doing that as an external yeah, yeah, that, or, that, or that makes. Could, or you could do it and say we're gonna do we're gonna have IBC enabled, and we're gonna do derived at we're gonna enable derived assets and make it a, a publicly available feature that anybody can acquire a, a derived asset, and then beam that derived asset over you know the IBC to DYDX land, and so that's not that's gonna create some trade volume in the layer one pools, also create some burning of room as well. And also, uh, yeah, and so you're gonna you're gonna see a, a, a buying, a burning of rune, which could cause a rune price to go up. But also, you get to utilize DYDX and and use perps and these other things. But in the interim, we're just burning in more room from the network, which is obviously good for the rune price, which causes security to go up, blah, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess just driving trade volume is like the obvious win. What what I was kind of hung up on is just like, is it most of the things Thorchain does are like so unique to Thorchain itself. Like Thorchain can only do it, right? And this started to feel like, um, I guess that is what it is. It's just a way of driving more volume, which benefits the whole thing. So yeah, it, yeah. Is, your, is your question like, would we approach perps differently than how everybody else generally does approaches perps? Well, I did read that that GitLab and yeah, it seemed pretty, it seemed cra- a bit crazy. And, it, and, and for something like perps, to me, it felt like I'm not sure it makes sense to add like another crazy Thorfi sort of thing to <laughs> to, to, to to achieve perps <laughs> when when perps like can already exist and they already do exist elsewhere and it's not something that Thorchain um, is like specifically able to do. Um, like you can have perps elsewhere, right? So it yeah, it, so... it kind of didn't make sense to introduce all that risk for, for when it could be external for, to me. I mean, the thing that we're, we would be different than other perps providers like DYDX, for example, is that we would support layer one, ass, uh, layer one assets, right, in, in effect, 
right? Like what what makes us so unique than there are other DeFi platform out there is that we're chain agnostic. And so that has value there. Just like adding, being able to take your Bitcoin and get an loan in your Bitcoin, like that is a significant contribution to the, the Bitcoin space, right? And, and we would see the yeah. same thing here of like of having perps on, uh, you know, assets that don't really have perps other than using, you know, wrapped assets or some sort of like, you know, nomic thing or something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, I just wonder, like, do you do you care as much in this context when you're in like a trade? You know, like you go from a stable coin into like a BTC 5x long and then you close it to a stable coin. Like, the, like that's how most people use perps, right? Like they don't go from like Bitcoin to long to Bitcoin. I mean, maybe they do. Um, but yeah, right. I mean, personally, I care less about perps just because I, I don't. I don't. I'm not interested in building tools for advanced traders personally. I just like this seems like it's not worth my time. Other people can build it if they want to, but I can see the value of doing perps because it would just drive a lot more trade volume to the pools. So that's that's a good thing. But like the problem with perps that I have, or well, one of the problems I have with perps, because of the leverage aspect to it, price manipulation in a profitable way might be might be possible or, or practical practical to execute. Where you can't do that with lending mm. because lending is not utilizing leverage and so it becomes unprofitable to attack the network from price manipulation but if you're having if you're exposing yourself to 10x leverage or 100x leverage then it might be profitable to manipulate the pool pool price and walk away with a bunch of extra money and exploit the system yeah that's that's what i was like looking at from that angle and like how could we how could thorchain have perps and kind of have the risk externally on another yeah. chain, you know, another protocol. Not and the answer is just using another protocol. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's just maybe, using DYDX yeah. and then having, yeah. having, having the link to ThorChain somehow. So it's like, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a great uh, idea for sure. And I mean, I, like that, that's, that's ThorChain's future is just looking into these other protocols and it's just like figuring out like exactly how to do that. And like the, the time and place to make those, to make those connections. Yeah, Pluto, Pluto, Pluto's, Pluto would k- crush me anyway. So, uh, you know, I just, I, mean, uh, for, I was just, just kind of dreaming there. So, just, just I, for me I personally, though, like, I, just for me personally, though, like, I'm, I'm not really for perps in this particular moment, just because I haven't seen a design or implementation that makes sense to me or, or provides a significant amount of value to the, to the, to the protocol. That doesn't mean I, I'm close to it to the future if we come up with a different idea or concept. But as of right now, from what I've understood, like it's not something that I'm pushing for, or advocating for. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, good question. All right, uh, one last question. Let's go to uh, Mohammed. Hey, hey, uh, starting community Thorchain from India. I hope you all will support me, guys. Yeah. Do you, Do you have? Are you like running a Thorchain Telegram group for India? Yeah, I will starting to conduct the meeting to all users and I will inform to all users to one of the best torchain project after the uh, Ethereum, Solana and BTC. So allow the more people to follow and buy the tokens through their own chains on the Binance and so many listing apps. You should have them buy it on, on uh, Thorchain. Yeah, Thorchain. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate your uh, your support and everything. I always support with Thorchain. I will always stand with you. Great. 
Uh, any more any last questions, or are we are we done for the day? Uh, that's it for today. Thanks so much, and thank you, thank you, Con, for coming up for for so long. Uh, you guys are the goats. All right. Oh, oh next week. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. See ya. Cool. See you guys.